0: That me full of fright I dreamt that I was with the devil below In his great big fiery hall Where the devil was giving a ball I checked my coat and hat And started gazing at the merry crowd Who came to witness the show And I must confess to you There were many
1: there
2: I knew Hello That the devil's ball the devil's ball the devil's ball, Welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about eternal damnation. I'm your host, Jacob.
1: I'm Victoria.
0: I'm Jamin. <laughs> did anybody bring anything to the party this week?
1: I did. I was... So, I had this fantastic idea that the Long Island iced tea had seven liquors in it. Oh, right. It does not. No. It is too short. It is two liquors shy of a full seven.
2: So, six... I just thought it was like two things, but I know nothing about this magical oh. beverage.
1: Oh, you. Mm, yeah.
0: You're thinking an Arnie Palmer. Yes, you're right. I am.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, an Ar- Arnold Palmer is way better than a Long Island iced tea. But if you're an undergrad that could probably only get away with buying one drink with your fake ID, this is the drink <laughs> you would buy.
2: Oh, it's a full experience.
1: Yeah, yeah. But so it failed me. So I, I, I brought instead some seven and sevens. Mmm. Mmm. They're delicious and refreshing, kind of like an Arnold Arnold Palmer, but made with Seagram 7 and 7 up and a twist of lemon.
0: So it's 14 and a twist?
1: It's 14 and a twist, really. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: What would happen if you took a Long Island iced tea mm-hmm. and mixed it half and half with lemonade? Mmm. Wait. Wait, what would happen if you took a Long Island iced tea and mixed it half and half with the twisted iced tea? Oh, yeah. Let's uh, let's go down that rabbit hole.
1: <laughs> I don't know why, but i all, all I can think of is like some kind of '80s hair band song. Like I feel like that's the chorus of an '80s hair band song.
0: Yeah, that would be Rat. Definitely. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Definitely a rat song.
0: So I had to look up whether there was a
2: Gates to Hell drink, and there is. It sounds like it's like tequila and lemon juice and lime juice, so kind of a yellow top with mm. uh, cherry brandy drizzled down so that it kind of flows
0: into it, and there's a nice color gradient.
1: Mm. Ooh, that sounds pretty. Yeah.
0: I might order one of those. Yeah. Well, I also brought a drink. I brought zucchini smoothies. No. <laughs> They're vegan zucchini smoothies. For a sweetener, you use agave syrup. So it's basically just vanilla ice cream, zucchini, and agave syrup.
2: Now, you know vanilla ice cream is not vegan, right?
1: What?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Are we having a Scott Pilgrim moment? Gelato's not vegan? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it sounds uh, kind of plotted, Jamin. Uh, well, no, because you you blend it. In the mm-hmm. blend of fire. Okay. I mean, avocado smoothies are delicious. Why wouldn't zucchini smoothies be also amazing? Here, have one.
1: It's like a cucumber. I mean, avocados have fat. That's why it's delicious.
2: Well, let's add some pumpkin spices to it, and I think we might actually have something. Whoa. Pumpkin no? spice
0: zucchini smoothie. Yeah. Mm. Milkshake. Milkshake.
1: Yeah, it's the yes. It's more of a milkshake, really. Yeah.
0: There, there aren't enough boys in the yard. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I brought some entertainment, being tormented and violated by many snouted birds.
1: Many snotted birds? Snouted. 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 Yeah. Okay. The snouted birds. They're, are... they're
2: related ideas.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this time of year, you have snouts.
1: Mm-hmm. Cedar fever mm. birds.
0: Oh, the fever birds have been getting me lately.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't it be better if it were just like you're beset mm. by fever birds rather than cedar?
0: Cedar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: Pointless trivia, February is named after the god of fevers. No. Yeah, his name was Febris.
1: Oh, of course. That's too, Well, that's a little too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was good. That was good. Did you hear that? That was her proud voice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You'll only hear it once.
2: So this news story is a little bit late because it's kind of a Christmas story. Do you remember the Jeffrey Epstein statue? <laughs> No, no, (laughs) no. Okay. So in Albuquerque, this kind of fringe art group made a statue of Jeffrey Epstein. It was basically a mannequin they spray painted with bronze paint Uh and they put it out there for like public commentary. This is art. It doesn't have to make sense. It just has to be in your face.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Okay.
2: So in December, they were having a fundraiser for pandemic relief funds and such like, I know exactly where the money is going towards, but I think buying PPE type things. Mm -hmm. they had a sit in Santa's... No, I said it wrong. A sit in Satan's lap fundraiser. Yes. Uh For $6.66, you could take your picture sitting on Satan's lap. Mm -hmm. And they used some acrylic shielding to kind of get some nice social distance from Satan because you really can't have enough social distancing (laughs) from Satan.
1: Aren't you supposed to eat dinner with him? If you eat dinner with him, you're supposed to use a long spoon. So I think there's... Centuries of tradition.
2: Yeah, there's... there's social precedent. distancing from Satan. The image of Satan dressed up in like Santa's robes, it's very Krampus. I think you, you would have...
1: Oh, you posted that. I saw that. Yes. Is yes. that
0: what that was? That was, mm-hmm. that was the context for that. It confused me.
1: It's funny. The picture, it looks photoshopped in the way that stories in the Weekly World News are photoshopped mm. or mm. even say like ads in Parade Magazine.
2: Maybe? I don't know. I mean, there's a certain artificiality to everything about this. Like, the guy said, oh, this was a typo, we just rolled with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They had some good slogans, though. Masks have saved 130,000, God zero. So, <laughs> enjoyed their slogans.
1: <laughs> you know, what's funny is Satan, Satan is clearly the zeitgeist right now because a friend of mine just joined the Satanic Temple oh. and... Yeah. And so I was looking at, I've I've been looking at their website and suddenly all these Facebook ads started to pop up and they have the best merch. They really have the best merch. They have like a lunchbox for kids. Oh, these great t-shirts and just some really great stuff. They have some children's books that are pretty cool.
2: I think so far as like social protest goes, they really are just the best. I mean, they're everything the Unitarian Universalist church should be if they had a sense of humor and a sense of fun. And snappy dressing.
1: Yes, 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 yes. So I'm very intrigued by them.
2: Interesting. Oh,
1: yeah, they, the Satan wants religious reproductive rights. So they have a lot of t shirts and things with that. But anywho, it's funny that you also had a, that was my little bit of Satan news, is just that I want to spend a lot of money on satanic temple gear.
2: Okay, I, I support this. Uh, and let me know about your friend's journey to Satan.
1: I will, I will. I'll keep everybody informed.
0: Okay. Speaking of awkward transitions, Victoria, tell us about the Gates of Guinea.
1: <laughs> well, funny you should mention that. Actually, it does kind of relate to a few things that we've talked about, specifically how there seem to be, and the number seven seems to be a key feature of a, of a lot of these summoning rituals or Hellgate uh, experiences. And of course, the, the drink, my holy grail of a drink with seven liquors, <laughs> um, which kind of fits with, with with where we're going next in the world is going to New Orleans and we're going to talk about the Gates of Guinea. Does anybody know, has anybody heard of this before?
2: I've heard a lot about it in the last half hour.
1: Ah, okay. Well, while it's still fresh, do you know anything about voodoo mythology? Uh,
2: I have read GURPS Voodoo, the role-playing game, which okay. is a GURPS product and therefore ferociously well-researched. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. probably not. <laughs>
1: I have never heard of that. I'm going to have to put a pin in that and look into it. So in voodoo mythology, after you die, you go to a purgatory called Guinea, or is it Guinea? I'm not sure. I think uh, it's guinea, you...
0: guinea like the guinea pig. Guinea. Like a
1: guinea pig? Okay. I,
0: you mean Guinea like the country? Because, the... yes. I, I like guinea pigs.
1: <laughs> I'm thinking are the the pigs are named after the country is my guess.
2: No, the other way around.
1: Do do you need your own little corner (laughs) to sort of get this out of your system?
2: (laughs) I'm pretty sure.
0: (laughs) I'm just pretty.
1: (laughs) And I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, so. Gates. The Gates of Guinea. After you die, you go to a purgatory called Guinea before you travel into your destiny to meet your ancestors.
2: Is this kind of like the Grey Realm sort of place? Just the boring afterlife? Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's a physical realm in voodoo mythology. And the belief is that you can reach it by opening seven gates of hell, but you have to open them in the correct order. And these gates are all supposed to be in New Orleans. Makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Guinea is not a place of torture or punishment um, instead, it's a murky plane, like you said, sort of the gray realm where spirits have to pass through before they go on to meet with the aforementioned ancestors. But so Guinea is presided over by the Loa and particularly Baron Samidi. Is that how you say
2: it? So the Loa are kind of two or three or four large batches of spirits. And one of them, the kind of the more the spirits of death are
0: called the Gede.
1: It's G-U-E-D-E, right?
0: Yeah. Since we're in a interim, and I can type, mm-hmm. there was a dictator, I think it was Jamaica, mm-hmm. who styled himself after Baron Samidi.
1: Oh, are you talking about Haiti?
0: Maybe it was Haiti. It was definitely Haiti. Yes. What was his name? He wore, like, the black suit, smoked a cigar, talked mm-hmm. in a deep natal voice, bowled on and it's just like, dude, like, you're worse than, like, Castro. It's just that you don't actually blah, 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 blah. Aaron's it Was lady. it
1: Duvalier? Baby Doc Duvalier? I think so. I mean, they've had a lot of, they've had more than one dictator.
0: Oh, and yeah. Like,
1: there's Papa Doc and Baby Doc. It um, was Papa Doc. Papa Doc. Fra- so Francois. Papa Doc was, was, yes.
0: Francois Duvalier. Okay. So, Gay day, apparently. Mm-hmm.
1: Gay Day?
2: Yeah, Gay Day, basically. And um, from, from what I've understood, the Gay Day are kind of specifically like spirits of the dead or the retinue of Gede who is a spirit of the dead so it's that kind this kind of cluster of loa who is just loa is just kind of a broader category of spirits
1: right um, mm-hmm. and
2: a lot of them have kind of the the ties to Baron Sameti, who's the leader of that particular group
1: okay so yeah so Baron Samedi he's the key figure here he is often depicted as a skeleton dressed in a top hat and tails so we've seen that figure many many times I think, in pop culture and, as Jamie was saying, Haitian culture as well. He's a symbol of death and rebirth, guarding the crossroads that form the portal to other worlds.
2: And delightfully sleazy, as I understand.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, several of these guys are sleazy. It's very interesting. There's some of them that I couldn't find a whole lot of information about. But So people who practice voodoo... Some see the seven gates as a metaphor for the seven days after death, where your soul is at its most fragile and at the greatest risk of being zombified. Yeah, it seems like there's a a
2: lot of things you can do to a soul during this kind of the waiting period.
1: Exactly. So during the symbolic period, the soul passes through various gates to be met by somebody at the seventh gate and then taken to the land of the dead. So others believe that it's actually physical and that it is in New Orleans, like I said before. They've located or they believe that if you use the Baron's personal sigil or vive and use that as kind of a map, then you can line up, there's a star, a central, there's seven stars in his sigil. So and the,
2: the sigil looks kind of like an altar piece on an altar, like a big cross with like crenellations and some stars surrounding it.
1: Yeah, and I think if you line up one of the stars, like the first the first part of it would be or the the very first stop would be the tomb of Marie Laveau in Saint in St. Louis Cemetery number one. Right. So that's supposed to be kind of the first one and you align the sigil with that point and that will point you to all seven gates.
2: And the first one is watched over by Baron LaCroix, who's sort
0: of a god of fizzy fruit mm, sin mm, and water, as mm, I understand. Mm, I'm sorry. Yes. Mm. Wait, no. Wait, no. No? Baron LaCroix.
1: That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. Whoops.
0: Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what canned fizzy water you drink. <laughs> sorry, I'll, I'll step down off my pedestal. No, I screwed that one up. <laughs>
1: Baron Schweppes. <laughs> he is
2: he is not the god of clearly Canadian. He's a uh,
1: sort of a death and
2: sexuality figure.
1: He's also the guardian of the gravestone.
2: That makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. For Lacroix. Oh, the- but also an important point here is that I think I mentioned you have to go through these in the correct order. And if you don't, what happens to you if you don't? Uh, something bad happens.
2: It's a spirit quest sort of thing. It's like yeah. you're, you're facing the people in this order and eventually you're going to have to deal with Semity who is mm-hmm. the head of the family. And if you haven't done like due diligence and respect, it might be not a very helpful conversation.
1: Right, right, right. And okay. You're saying it like somebody like Yosemite, Sam. Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to latch onto that because that will help me remember it because mnemonics are very, very important. And <laughs> there's a, there's a saying that will help you remember the correct order for this ritual. So it's seven nights, seven moons, seven gates, seven tombs.
0: Something old, something blue.
1: hmm That's right. Uh-huh. Tie a rabbit in your shoe.
2: Yeah. So that, that does not give me any guidance at all, Victoria.
1: <laughs> I, I have a story that that's associated with this, but I think because it's voodoo. <laughs> and I know okay. that sounds weird, but... When I uh, went to the Voodoo Temple, I went to a service at the Voodoo Temple in New Orleans, and there were a lot of people there. It was it was kind of like part of a part of a tour, and the last stop was going to the Voodoo Temple and having an audience with the priestess. A lot of people were asking her to explain Voodoo, and she just kept deflecting, like like she was Wonder Woman with gauntlets. You know, what do you think it is? She just kept asking. Whenever anybody would ask a question, say, well, what do you think it is?
2: It does seem to be kind of occluded. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's got some hidden mystery. It's very sensational to outsiders. So there'd be a lot of just pointless interest in it as well. Mm-hmm. And then also it's a syncretic religion that's developed over a lot of time and from many different cultures and it's got long origins. So it may be one of the situations where there is like no one answer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think this is whatever you make of it, but that's all to say You have to go through, and you have to meet with every single guardian, and you have to pay tribute to the guardians. In the right order. In the right order. So we've already discussed La Croix, the guardian of of refreshment.
0: Number two
2: seems most commonly to be Perseverance Hall, which is an old Masonic temple built around 1820 that became a dance house and kind of like a major hub of the New Orleans jazz scene. New Orleans. That's cool. Yeah. So like ancient, ancient dancing hall that's been around for 150 years or so.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm, g- I'm going to make a proposal that in the future, when we get out of the pandemic, that we should go and try to find all of these.
2: OK, I'll bring several crates of the coconut flavor.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. That's my favorite.
0: I like pample
1: <laughs> I like both of them. I'm a big. Those are the two that I buy. So I think we're set. I think we're good. I regret
0: because uh, a million years ago, when I was twenty, I took a girlfriend and we spent a couple of days in New Orleans. And like we wandered around Bourbon Street and the Art District, and the line for the hand grenades was too long, so we skipped that. But like, there's stuff there which I
1: I didn't know. Like, how
0: cool is this?
1: Right. Gotta mm-hmm. go back. I love New Orleans.
2: When I went to New Orleans, oh, I said that. <laughs> when I went
1: to New Orleans.
2: When I went to New Orleans. I went with the Evangelical Christian Booksellers Association, and wow. that that was weird because that was a real kind of conflict of ideologies in some ways.
1: Wow! The the last time I was there, <laughs> this is a very different experience. But there was a porn convention. Oh! And so the absinthe bar that we went to was full of porn purveyors. Okay. And so maybe you were there, too. I don't know. But I, I, I feel like I would Come have, again? Would have. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it would have been this perfect confluence. Of, oh, yes, I like, see. Like your organization. <laughs> 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 I voted you as a purveyor of porn.
0: I, I think it's fair to say both parties can enjoy a plate of beignets and have some chicory coffee. And that's all we need to get along. That's true. Good point. This, So the last gate is
2: watched over by Baron Soundy himself. The one before it, Baron Criminal is, I'm sure I'm saying all these things wrong. Baron Criminal is the guardian of that one. And he's a really interesting character. He's the mm-hmm. first murderer, pretty sadistic and cruel. He inflicts a lot of, he's like very into justice. And one way he inflicts justice is by transforming someone into a pig and eating them very slowly without a knife.
1: Oh, that makes, Okay.
0: Allegedly the first murderer. Okay, but, okay.
1: But do you know who he allegedly first murdered?
0: Well, someone was allegedly the first one to die by violence, but we don't know who did him in.
1: The second gate is supposed to, well, it is guarded over by uh, nebo. He was the first person murdered. <laughs> right. <Huh. laughs> so the story goes that he was potentially murdered by a criminal. Okay.
0: Allegedly. Okay. There's no proof.
1: <laughs> it's it's
0: conjecture.
1: Mm-hmm. A murder a murder was done. A Nobody murder was not, done.
0: Yeah. A murder, a murder was, was done.
1: done. A murder a a murdered a murdered was was completed. This is a weird thing I, that I'd never heard of. That do you know what possessed devotees of these gay days are called?
2: Spirit horses?
1: Yes. I had no idea. Chevals. Uh-huh. I did not know that. That's fascinating. It's
2: a neat word and neat it idea.
1: hmm
2: A much closer relationship to deity than we tend to have in our daily lives.
1: <laughs> Definitely. I was very I was very excited about that. But supposedly his Shabbals, uh, the Nebo can give voice to the dead spirits, um, spirits specifically whose bodies have not been found. And criminals will attack people <laughs> until they are offered food. Oh. If they're not offered food, they will eat the people. So that must be the whole pig thing, right?
2: I, I don't know. These these spirits have a lot of like personality built into them. They're they're kind of like established types, archetypes, mm-hmm. derigo So
1: do you know? Uh, I keep I don't know why I'm asking these questions like we're in kindergarten. But uh, so uh, criminals also associated with Saint Martin de Porres.
2: So is the thrift store from down the street.
1: Whoa, what are the odds?
2: <laughs> Apparently very high. <laughs> uh,
0: Saint Martin of who? Of the poor. Oh, okay.
1: And it's very literal porous, right? Like mm-hmm. he's yeah, makes is, sense. Uh-huh. Okay, but, so uh, so criminal uh-huh.
0: of the poor. Wait. What?
1: <laughs> what are you reacting to?
0: I th- I thought I saw the connection but I didn't. So give, give me a connection.
1: Oh, the connection actually is the feast day. They're both oh, uh, okay. their feast day is November 3rd. They they share a feast day.
0: That's a tenuous oh. connection, but I'll take it. I mean, this is syncretism at its finest. Like that's I'll take it. I'll take it.
1: Sure. I mean, I think that Brian May of Queen is my soulmate because we have the same birthday. So it's fair.
2: According to Atlas Obscure, and I love Atlas Obscure. These gates are easiest to open on major holidays.
0: If you don't have any good Valentine's Day plans, this might be a good one for that. I was just going to say Valentine's Day with Baron Samidi.
1: That's right. First, buy buy your, you know, jewelry at Kay's Jewelers. (laughs) Every kiss begins with (laughs) Kay. I don't know much about these other ones. The third gate is Plumage.
2: Couldn't find anything about that one.
1: Yeah. And that seems like ripe for a great story. Fourth is... Cemetery, Guardian yeah. of the Grave. death is babico, right?
0: Which is pulled pork. Yes. No, no, Delicious. no. <laughs> oh, oh.
1: It's associated with slow roasting.
2: So a lot of these uh, Gede are, they seem like aspects of each other. The different identities kind of flow into each other. It reminds me a little bit of, I think, Hindu mythology, where everything is kind of an aspect of the same divine force. It's sort of polytheistic and sort of monotheistic at the same time.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. I see what you're saying.
2: Yeah. So somebody and criminal are related to each other. Uh, Nibo and Lacroix are flip sides of each other. It's a complicated, everything has these, multiple aspects that seem to kind
0: of reflect and flow into each other. Yes. Guardian of the tomb, guardian of the grave, guardian of the cemetery, very much overlapping.
1: So this again, brings up the seven dwarves. Are they all just aspects of the same divine being? (laughs) Papa doc. (laughs) Yes. I feel like all of this is psychology. It's pre pre pre-modern psychology. You don't have a way to describe the human condition, so you personify it in these different entities that have to be entertained <laughs> you, you and personify
2: supplicate. it in dwarves.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, it, I feel like it all scans, right? Like you've got your psychopomps and you got your dwarves.
2: I remember reading some books on like how to write fantasy. The first thing that any fantasy author seems to do is develop a pantheon. I think there's this deep-seated ideal of, like, dividing things into discrete units of meaning and establishing a hierarchy over them and things like that. It's a a, a mind game
0: that's very rewarding.
1: It's also compartmentalization at its finest. Like, it's the most literal compartmentalization ever.
0: Mm -hmm. Hmm. I want to end this with Baron Quiminal, who, if you want to sacrifice to him, you sacrifice a black rooster... Have been doused with strong spirits and set alight. Mm-hmm. Right? That is a lot of pageantry. Which, that's so New Orleans. I spent some time in Metairie, which is just to the left of New Orleans, and I never got into any of this, but Baron Samidi, he's noted for his disruption, obscenity, debauchery, and having a particular fondness for tobacco and rum.
1: Yes! Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. I never knew I had the perfect role model out there. Oh, God.
1: And you're always supposed to, I mean, that's part of any good altar is a cigar and rum. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Man, I admit, Austin is boring.
1: Yeah, we have absolutely no, there, there are no ghosts in our soil. Like, that's the problem with Austin is it's not haunted enough. Mm-hmm.
2: We we have one of the most haunted sites in Texas here, the, the hotel.
1: Oh, that's true. But it feels like it's just not baked into the terroir... Yeah, we don't have we don't have a ghostly terror war like yeah. New Orleans yeah. or Philadelphia okay. or like
2: Baltimore. What's that, what's that hotel's name? I can't. Driscoll. Driscoll Hotel.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Extremely haunted, apparently. Yes, we do have the blue
0: wave. What? No one gets that? What? No. <laughs> On 6th Street, um, when you take people there for the first time, you're like, oh. hey, ask the bartender for a blue wave. And they gave him a shot of, and, you, and, and they're like, there's a whole elaborate story where he's like, you have to yell, give me the blue, give me the blue, give me the blue. And the bartender's like, that's not loud enough. And it's like, you, you get your, you know, UT freshman or whatever's, give me the blue, give me the And they give him a shot of blue curacao. Cur, mm-hmm. cur, curacao?
1: Curacao. I Curacao, think it's Curacao. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they
0: shoot it and it's terrible. And then all of a sudden they're like, all right, give me the wave, and they're struggling because they just had a shot of Blue Curacao. And give me the wave, give me the wave. No, that's not loud enough. And you get the whole bar involved, and this person's just screaming, give me the wave, and the bartender throws a pitcher of water in their face. <laughs> that's, oh. that's the blue wave.
1: I've never heard I've lived here since 1984 and I've never heard of it's, that. But I also don't go down to Sixth Street.
2: Yeah, me neither. Me neither. It's, on uh, the on the Haunted Austin front, I do have a story that's like Short and to the and here on this. There's a haunted room in the Omni downtown on 6th, 8th and uh, Trinity. Mm-hmm. person jumped to his death on Good Friday. I was there for that. What? <gasps> no. Yeah. And I went, I went to the church on Good Friday. And in the middle of the road, there was all this shattered glass. And this is a very striking scene. The minister of the church was wearing his Good Friday robes. These big flowing robes doing last mass in the middle of the street. Really frightening and impactful sight, But that mm-hmm. is one of Austin's local hauntings now. So, my little tie to an urban legend. Interesting.
1: When did So, when did that happen?
2: Uh, must have been, like, mid-90s.
1: Wow. I had never heard of that.
2: So, I feel like I've been kind of naysaying and throwing, like, wet blankets over some of the last topics recently and not really getting into the spirit of urban legends. So... Imagine that you're getting onto the internet and it's like maybe the first time you've seen this world of like weird resources you could never get to before. And someone types in dot com, and it got the room dark and screen flickers and comes on and a conceptual artist asks you for a donation to pay back the loan on your soul.
1: Ooh. Wow.
2: Meh. No? Okay. Well, I'll work on my delivery. So in the mid-90s, uh, when the World Wide Web was just starting to be a thing, there was no Google. There was Search engines were not out there yet. If they were, they were like Yahoo ones where you had to navigate through categories and they were updated by humans. And there wasn't like automatic spidering of the Internet. So people would type in short, catchy addresses, just kind of like search for ideas and see what's out there. And hell.com was one of them. A lot of what I've read about it is from a, another podcast thinking sideways that did an episode called what the hell was heck.com. So this, this held on for like 10 years or so from like 95 to 2006 or so. And it was like a source of some internet kind of internet mystery and storytelling. I think Creepypasta got a hold of it later on and kind of tied it to the story of people being stalked by men in black sort of entities. But in practice, it was um, a pretty well-known bit of net.art for a while. Mm -hmm. You go there and for a time, there was this screen that said, you basically, you can't get in or something like that. You're not invited, go away. But people kind of kept digging at the mystery and the artist that was running it would kind of unveil new things here and there. Um, like in 96, he created a soul redemption program and you accessed it. And these weird questions would fly at you out of the darkness. Like, um, once you're willing, it no longer has value. What is real? What do I get? Can I sell my soul here? How much does it cost? Is this a joke? It's kind of FAQ type stuff, but the website would let you repurchase your soul. So basically you'd be selling something that has no material value. I'm kind of reminded of the nine minutes of silence track from the Beatles
1: Mm, it's an art mm-hmm. of nothingness. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
2: So Hell.com was like a nexus of internet artists. Uh, I guess a lot of Flash-type stuff was there. And it was hidden behind a paywall, hidden behind a password thing, hidden behind a lot of redirects. Uh, the artist is named Kenneth Aronson, and he's still out there doing a lot of this kind of nothing art that's still kind of his shtick.
1: Is there an archive somewhere of this? or Yeah, well... YouTube
2: videos seem to be the best way to go because you can find it on archive.org, but Mm -hmm. you're up against the original paywall of the site. So I've got a video. It's a click through of hell.com. And you kind of see like the questions flying you through the darkness. Some of the material is on, um, Aronson's website now, I think, um, or some similar projects. He's got, uh, I think he's got a website. That's his own name basically, but yeah, conceptual digital, digital artist, um, the domain name was active for a very long time. It went through like 2006 before it got actually 2011. And that was purchased by the gospel media network. It's like a four, four letter name. That's a really great web page. This is turning out to be super dull <laughs> in, in my talking about it.
1: Well, I don't know. Let's see. I'm looking at his, uh, so is he, he sells himself as a conceptual strategist and creative consultants. Yeah.
2: Is that the same guy. Yeah. That sounds like him.
1: His brands so, are legendary.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, hell.com, that qualifies. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, He
2: also has the nothing-in-a-box concept. Uh, Every dollar you spend on nothing is a dollar not spent on something you don't need.
1: Oh, okay. I've heard of this.
2: Nothing-in-a-box?
1: Yes, I have, weirdly enough.
2: It seems like it's art calling itself art, but it's not really trying very hard.
1: (laughs) Hmm. Hmm.
0: I'm going to date myself here. Okay. Because no one else will. Ah! I had a Geocities website back when that was a thing. And uh-huh. kids, if you're listening, don't even bother looking that up. It's just, it's not worth it. But if you know, like, the the beginnings of the internet, you get a site, and you copy-paste someone else's HTML, and you kind of copy-paste your, you know, you you steal, and you, you take the bits you like, and like, oh, here's an animated icon. This is just GeoCities. Like, this is basic HTML, and he's calling himself an artist, and he's just... Sure, it's new and exciting, but is it conceptual? Is it art? Like, uh, really? I think, there
2: was, I think there was more to it. If you went into the page, you if you went into the um, archives and things like that, you'd find some other projects that were a little more shocking. Some um, I wish I'd made a list of what was out there, but um, there were there were art installations on the site. You, it was a conceptual artist group that was that was sharing work there, like like a, like a portfolio gallery
0: of HTML. Flash, I think,
2: Early Flash.
1: Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So we could buy hell.com, the domain.
2: It would not be free.
1: No. It looks like on this one side it's $59. Click here to inquire.
2: Huh, interesting.
1: I don't know if this is legit or not, but it's part of GoDaddy, so it must be legit. We could do our (laughs) own conceptual art, you know, if we wanted to test this theory.
0: Listeners, did you know we have a Patreon? Would you like to see hell.com?
1: <laughs> well, I think me... we would do a be- we we I don't know. I think we could populate hell.com pretty pretty snazzily.
2: I'll I'll check the price. <laughs> we
1: <We'll kick laughs> also for I have it. to admit when um GeoCities I Never, ever said it out loud. So in my head, it's geocities. (laughs) Which I think makes it sound so much better. Rhymes with atrocities. The atrocities of
0: geocities.
1: Geocities.
0: You might be right. I've never said it out loud.
1: I think geocities makes the most sense logically.
2: I, I think it's unfair to say this is, like, dull, because there was flash and animation and it was at a time when that wasn't when online was not as well developed as it is now. The World Wide Web was invented in like 1994, I think or thereabouts. Yeah, Al did it. Yeah. And for a while, no. Stop, wait. What? Okay, this is the dis- this is the disinformation episode clearly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're the disinformationists now?
2: Yes. But but there wasn't that much going on in terms of like high-end animation on the web at the time. So This was probably legitimately interesting stuff. I mean, there was animations and and videos and things posted there. And the mystery of what could be hiding behind a wall, it's like imagining art that has become trite before it became trite.
1: Mm, I think you had
2: to have been there. And when you could, like, accidentally stumble across this secret by typing in hell.com, because that was search engines at the time. There was none. You would just type in words and hope for the best.
1: (gasps) Yes, good point. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: it's kind of like saying Bloody Mary into the mirror. You find <gasps> this thing, and it's a mystery, and you've found it, and maybe nobody else knows about it.
1: And, and you don't know. I don't know. I think it's the same effect as the Art Bell coast-to-coast recording of Hell, where if you stumble on it at three in the morning and you're all alone, yeah. it's way more affecting.
2: And then it says that it already has your soul, and you can buy it back.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like a theme park ride of the dark web.
2: You can get a little taste for the artistry of hell dot com by going to Kenneth Aronson's webpage, uh, Kenneth N S O N dot com. It lists some of his other projects, hell dot com, nothing in the box, etc. And you can kind of explore some of what he's done. And uh, and that's that's kind of neat. It's also got like a personal timeline and such. Uh, it's all very stark, black and white. He has not changed his stylistic sense over the last two decades.
0: That that's not a bad thing. Like having a a style, maybe. Yeah, it's yeah. consistent.
1: It is. And I guess it's a brand. I keep getting him confused with Kenneth Anger.
0: A much happier yeah. fellow. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Kenneth Anger may be more interesting, though.
0: I, to me, definitely. Like, I am so done with Aronson. And if you're listening, Ken, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, dude. Like, your website sucks. I'm sure you're a nice guy. Your mother loves you.
1: Oh, man. We're, we're going to have beef. We're going to have beef with Kenneth Aronson.
0: <laughs> I'm not above throwing a small amount of shade. On an obscure <laughs> podcast.
1: What are the odds he's actually going to hear this?
0: Uh, negative, negative odds. Shall we go into Clifton, New Jersey? Please, why not? Okay. Can I? Can I do? Can I? Can I do? You can do whatever you'd like to. Speaking of seamless segues, let's talk about Clifton, New Jersey. Okay.
2: <laughs> so has anybody seen the movie As Above, So Below?
1: No, but you have mentioned it before.
2: Okay. It's, it's got some parallels to Dante's Inferno. Um, it's actually kind of made in the spirit of that. And it's almost totally irrelevant, except that the Clifton, New Jersey gate to hell kind of reminds me of that movie because As Above So Below is set in the French catacombs, this very dense labyrinthine tunnel system. From what I've seen of the Clifton, New Jersey hell gate, it's a series of very complex underground tunnels you could easily get completely lost in. As I understand it, you go to the old Prince Distillery in Clifton. Behind them, they've got a drain that goes out into some storm tunnels. And if you go down there, you'll see, I mean, there's a lot of really amazing graffiti and things like that, murals from like years of teenage explorers. But if you go down nine levels of drains, that's another good hell number. Uh, you will eventually meet Satan. Hmm. There's some elements of this story that I like that I think set it apart from other hell gates because... Uh, You have to have supernatural powers to do it. You're going to find a glowing human skull and axes that weigh thousands of pounds that block the doors. So you need to have some serious chops to get through here. Some serious chops?
1: Ah! Yes. Okay, so if you have to have supernatural powers to do this, is this self-reported?
2: I don't know of anybody that's actually made it to the lowest levels of this area where presumably you need to have supernatural powers. Um, It's, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, really complex tunnels. So you could always say, well, we couldn't find it, but we found this or that. Mm -hmm. I saw a, a really good urban explorer video and the kids in it, they were going deep into this tunnel system. And it was really frightening because, I mean, this is like you could get totally lost in here and die very easily if there was like some rain or something washing over the area, but I don't even know how you could have mapped it because they went down, down, and then ended up like somewhere that seems like geographically impossible. And this journey just took took to them to a place where I couldn't even imagine them ending up. It was like it was down, 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 and suddenly they were on the surface again. Really strange journey. There's graffiti all over the place, abandoned whatevers. It's, it's a ride, I, or, I, or at least a journey. I do like a good
0: abandoned whatever.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Hmm. <laughs>
2: um, apparently, there's a guardian spirit named Red-Eyed Mike, who either guards the entrance or lives deep in the tunnels. Uh, he's in, in cahoots with Satan.
1: Hmm. Ergo, uh, the red eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well. Yeah. Satan talks a lot and keeps him up too late.
1: Uh, exactly.
2: <laughs> it's not much of an urban legend, but that's kind of what these Hell Gates are. It's like there's this idea that's kind of exciting and a great place to go and explore and this looks like a phenomenal trip for an urban urban archaeologist type person possibly fatal but uh, really compelling
1: Oh that's fun yeah sometimes I wonder if some of these stories come about to they're told to prevent kids from going into dangerous situations
2: Oh yeah that works.
1: And then they have the exact opposite effect. Because I think, I definitely believe that, say, the KKK met down there. That makes total sense, right?
2: It'd be really hard to find anyone. And there's, like, stories of people chanting in the darkness down there and things like that.
1: I feel like, I feel like yeah, this is... And and say, if you're a smuggler or mm. up, to, up to no good, this is kind of the perfect area for you. And I, I feel like those... Like that reality kind of translates into this satanic story or this kind of occult story.
2: This is clearly a place where bad things could happen.
1: Right. Or, Mm -hmm. or,
2: you know, dirty deeds were done dirt cheap under the surface (laughs) or something like that. And just by extending that and adding a level of danger to it, you say, here's a place where it's really dangerous. Okay, well, what can we slap onto this to make it even more exciting? Let's add a devil and a giant blue glowing skull.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So does the skull, the skull is not man-made like it's a it's a it's an occult skull so but but there's nobody has proof of the axes or the glowing human skull right
2: well atlas obscura says according to legend there's a room deep underground that can be entered only by those possessed with the powers to lift giant axes that weigh thousands of pounds and lock the doors this room is filled with a glowing human skull that is the last sign before you encounter the devil
0: himself
1: ah okay okay yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay,
0: one, block and tackle pulley systems are very simple, easy to transport and build, and so we can, you know, leverage physics to move things. We'll test this theory. Right? Is there a glowing Satan skull? Two, Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm.
0: all skulls glow. It's occluded by your face, so you can't see it right now. The glow stops when you die. That seems unlikely. Prove me wrong. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: So, so the so we all have a glowing skull within us.
0: Your skull is glowing right now. We just can't see it because your face is in the way.
1: Huh. Mm. This wow. is gonna haunt
0: me for a while.
1: <laughs> That's right. We all, yeah, like we all we all have s- skulls inside us, and who knows if they glow.
0: I'm touching my teeth.
1: Mm-hmm. Are your outside bones. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm.
0: I'm literally interacting with my skeleton. <laughs>
2: So, the entire area was a, a drainage run for Weasel Brook. <laughs> Best Brook. Which is least, least terrifying hell
0: stream ever.
1: <laughs> oh, poor Weasel Brook. How about Florida? Oh, what about Florida?
0: So, I was proud of this because I found this. And, you know, we were supposed to do research and you're supposed to try to prepare. And I didn't in the slightest. I found one. And basically, it's just it's an underground cave in Florida, which the water is slightly warm and it makes steam clouds above and cold days. Right. And oh, geez, what's the name of the place? I've forgotten. It's like, what is the name of the place? The Devil's Den. The Devil's Den. Obviously. (laughs) um, Obviously, the Devil's Den. I, Jamin, (laughs) that's me. Come at me, Ken. Found the Devil's Den. I'm sorry. Ken, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm sorry. I've had one too many 14-in twists. I get a little bit fractious. We're moving on. It's an underground cave, and it's an urban legend. And I'm going to stick with this one, despite all the arguments, because, well, I found it. It's mine. Okay. Right? So, what makes it an urban legend? And again, I go back to us, like, this is something sixth graders tell to one another. It's not an adult thing. It's not, you know, a, a real thing. There's not reality to it it's do you see those clouds of steam over there that's smoke from the devil's den there's not really
2: a mythology built up around this place it is very pretty though it's this deep blue pool under the ground with like light streaming in through vines overhead it's absolutely gorgeous and there's some interesting stuff in it i have a new favorite animal i think under under the surface it goes like 50 feet down oh way Uh, way more than that it's well, in the, in the pool proper, it goes like 50 feet down, okay. but it's got antechambers and side rivers and things like that. It's like an underground river complex and like 70 meters under the ground, there was a cave that had animal and human remains. And there's like mastodons and dire wolves and human remains dated from like 7500 BC and bog lemmings. I thought you were making that up.
0: Bog lemmings. Um, I,
2: bog lemmings. Say it. It's fun. I Bog, bog lemmings. lemmings.
0: Didn't know bog lemmings were a thing. They look a lot like rats, but they're bog lemmings.
1: Are they related to, um? oh, what are the ones that are in um, Louisiana? Nutria. Neut- are they related to Nutria?
2: They're round hamburger type things on four legs. So, so maybe you could
1: easily fit them on a bun.
2: Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Florida spectacled bears, saber tooth cats. This Aww. was a really hopping cave back in the day.
1: Hmm. yes Aww. i like the darth do we still have florida spectacle spectacled bears yes they, we do yes oh
0: he says unsuredly.
1: <laughs> but you said it with certainty so it must be true yeah, absolutely
0: i read it on the internet
1: oh he said they're extinct oh
0: well.
1: well then how do we know they were spectacled that is a very good question. Hmm. Maybe because they kept, you know, they had like flat noses from running into things.
2: <laughs> that may be one of the great unanswered questions of our time.
0: Okay. So bog
2: well, lemmings. Well, I
1: mean, it's like the skulls.
2: I actually don't want to talk about bog lemmings. I do, but I don't because the podcast is about hell. Okay. <laughs> so moving. <laughs> we'll I want to talk never, about hell. Back, okay. back to hell. All
1: right. Mm -hmm. There
2: is some really good, like, hell and devil activity nearby, though, because I don't know if we've talked about this before. I suspect that we have in small ways, but I thought it was really neat. Have you read the Myths Over Miami article?
0: I thought you were going to say Disneyland.
2: (laughs) Disneyland is like hell.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yes. All of Orlando, pretty much. The Myths Over Miami.
2: This was um, an article was published in, like, the mid-90s, I think a New York Times writer went to a Miami Salvation Army and asked the kids what they believed in. And, I mean, they said the usual, like, church, God, Easter Bunny sort of stuff. But there was a mythology hiding under the surface that she started to find out about. These runaway kids had this shared mythology of, like, this good versus evil story of the Bloody Mary versus the Blue Lady. And it kind of explained why their lives were so terrible because of these dark forces. And it gave them some hope as well because they would become allies of the Blue Lady and, like, help her guide spirits to a better place there's like some spin-off ideas like satan was trying to open this door to hell on the south beach the angels were guarded by giant alligators on the everglades and the blue lady can help you protect you from
0: bullets if you know her name what's her name but it was this fairly hmm? what's her name asking blue lady asking for a friend oh <laughs> i don't know her. what true kind name. of bullets
1: this is interesting. Wow. And kind yeah, of heartbreaking.
2: It, it is. It's I mean, it's some good stories. The Bloody Mary would like drag children away to be their slaves and gangs and things like that. Once in a while, like one girl in a thousand was born kind of this girl of destiny who could scare the Bloody Mary away. It's it's a complex myth. Uh, Mercedes Lackey kind of wrote Mercedes Lackey wrote it in a book called Mad Maudlin, which I'm going to have to read now. Although it's the same story, but it takes place in New York City. And uh, it's just, it's, it's very, very complex world. Some other people were kind of arguing about whether or not this was a real thing because it hadn't been really supported by other sources. I don't have answers there. It was in the mid nineties. That was a while ago. And myths evolve really quickly.
1: Hmm. It's, this is really, yeah, this is really interesting.
0: It's got sort of the, the little matchstick girl kind of vibe to it where there's a lot of sadness that is said
2: the kids are in bad places. Their, their parents have been shot to death or they've run away from home and have nowhere to go or whatever. But the story gives them a place in an epic myth. Um, they're the allies of the blue lady and they're helping save spirits from the devil. It's, it's, it's ennobling too. It is sad. It is painful to, to read about, but it's, it's a, it's a really good personal myth. And it's like more exciting than any religion I can, I can think of that possibly like the Norse Pantheon.
1: Wow.
2: Or the New Orleans Loa. They also have a lot of color. Mm. That's fair.
0: Okay. I would I would put that up there then. Okay. So, again, haven't mm-hmm. done no prep work on this, how do they save the souls? Like, are we talking children are now, like, conscripted as psychopomps? They talk a little about that. Is there a Blue Lady Wikipedia article? Hmm. No, that's
2: one of the reasons why I wonder if it's actually a thing or just like this one article. Because wiki is not good if you only have a single resource; they don't like that very much. I don't. I don't know if the, the the article and there's only the one article doesn't really talk about how they become part of the warriors of heaven against the army of hell. It just kind of gives them the context to being in this story,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it, it frames like gangs and drug sales and things like that as the bloody mary's work and her tools and she wants the kids to be part of that as her slaves and being with the blue lady kind of steers you away from that past so there's that kind of don't say no but with an epic backdrop
1: right yeah wow and it's kind of like the children are kind of self-policing in this way yeah it's like children of the corn or something
2: for a while, Disney had licensed the movie rights to uh, Myths Over Miami. Um, but it didn't... Yeah, it didn't... Nothing came of it. I guess the closest that, that ever came was Mercedes Lackey's book, um, fictionalizing it. The, the The Bloody Mary legend is... I, I can't find references to it beyond, like, the early 70s. Mm-hmm. But Bloody Mary herself is kind of a worldwide legend that the mysterious face in the mirror... What is that called? Blah, 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 Tuesday blah, blah, blah. morning. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> no, the strange face in the mirror illusion, where you stare at yourself long enough, you start to look like an alien thing, and you start actually seeing things in the mirror. So the Victorians did, like, mirror divination as well that kind of worked on the same idea. You stare into the darkness, and eventually your mind just conjures things out of it. But Bloody Mary and some variants, like Mary Worth, that story has been going along for 50 years or so at least. One folklorist suggested maybe it's a fear of puberty sort of story, blood and bathrooms and menstruation and things like that, which is that's kind of a compelling story as well. But it sounds like maybe Mary, sometimes it's called Mary Worth, and she was like a divination spirit. You'd call her up in the mirror to learn your future, or who you're going to marry or whatever. It's a very broad spirit. It's been, been around the world a few times now.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Like, why is that? Why is that a uh, global? Mm. But I was just looking at the strange face in the mirror illusion. I could see that. I don't know. I, I feel like the, I feel like the puberty thing's a stretch. I don't know why, but I, uh. oh, the Troxler Look. effect. Is that what it's called? Troxler? The Troxler. It's- he discovered it in 1804.
2: Okay. Okay. So if you stare at something long enough, your peripheral vision fuzzes out. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: Wow. Your brain has deemed the outer edges irrelevant and has lessened its processing burden by simply fading it out of our perceptual domain. So you're erasing your own face.
2: Yeah. So if you, if you stare at yourself in the mirror long enough, you start to become kind of strange and ghostly and alien. And that's not a far cry from saying bloody Mary into the mirror. 17, uh, probably seven times, and you, you conjure up mm. a demon.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense.
2: How can we transition to a stopping point on this one?
1: <laughs> that is a very good question.
2: We can just introduce the next guest star,
1: Jason Kraft.
2: So, keeping with the urban legend theme, we're going to have a guest host next week, uh, Jason Kraft, who, like many of us, lived through the 80s and lived through the 80s Satan scare. Total silence.
1: <laughs> I was trying to think of, so uh, do we want to say more on that? I will also tell my my personal anecdote, my own brush with satanic artifacts in high school.
2: Ooh, it's a good time for it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: My satanic artifacts were a reasonably complete Dungeons & Dragons collection, so uh, <laughs> very dull form of satanism there. So that's coming up, uh, I guess, in mid-February. Until then, we'll see you in hell.
0: Bye. I'm already there.
2: This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at the Dispatchist. no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.